What we sow during our lifetime matters. <clears throat> I'm going to be looking at a passage in one of the old prophets, Hosea, book of Hosea. And I'm not so much going to speak about Hosea per se, but something that he, by the direction and through the direction of the Lord, uh, told his own people, Israel, God's people. And embedded in this, I think, is um, something that is worth at least looking at uh, from our perspective. And it is... Um, it is that we need to at least wrap our minds around the importance or the significance of how we live and what we do in our lives and things because it does matter. What Hosea records here is an instruction from God to Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, during uh, the time of Isaiah was his contemporary and Micah. But it was during a time that Israel was not living according to how God had expected them to live and wanted them to live and had commanded them to live. In fact, Israel had been rather uh, hard-headed, uh, stiff-necked, as it were, about God and about uh, their responsibility to him. And embedded in what is going to be said here is not just for a particular instance of Israel not following God, but what's underneath that is what I wanted to look at um, this morning, and that is that it is a law. It is what we would call um, the structure, how God has set up all of creation. Now, the analogy that Hosea uses, or that God says to say this, is, 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 a, is an analogy that is by nature, and we're going to associate with it because we understand it. But the law behind it is applicable across the board. In other words, what you sow is what you're going to reap. I've used this example on various occasions that you should never, ever expect to get green beans when you plant okra seeds. Never. You should never, ever expect to get cucumbers when you plant your tomato plant. Now, we associate that with just strictly gardening or nature, but like I said, underneath this is that law that, that you, you, whatever you sow, you reap. And when I say underneath that, I'm going to explain it this way. That law, that relation, that cause and effect is applicable not only in the physical world, but it's also applicable in the moral world and in, at the spiritual level and certainly the intellectual level that whatever you plant or sow or, or put forth, that's what you're going to get. 
And so here's what uh, our text says. Uh, Israel was broken. In verse 6 it says, Therefore it is not God, but the calf of Samaria. It's going to be broken in pieces. Israel is going to suffer because of how they lived. And it says, They have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stock. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. Now, what he's talking about here is that Israel, as God's people, a nation of God's people, Israel had just simply decided not to sow uh, or, or uh, nurture living for God. They just wanted to live for themselves. And as it were, the analogy is they have actually sown the wind and so now they're going to reap the whirlwind. Well, that sounds kind of odd. How can you sow the wind? But that's exactly what God was saying. And the point that is going to be made this morning is that God has set up in the structure of all existence that no matter what level it is, whether it's uh, the physical nature, let's say, of a garden, but also in the moral nature. In the moral nature, if we, if we sow certain things morally, we're going to reap those things. Um, if we sow certain things spiritually, we're going to reap those things. And, and especially intellectual. If you fill your mind, if you keep planting your mind with certain kinds of things, that's what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to have. And God wanted his people to understand that there are no exemptions and there are no exceptions to this. Well, if that's true, then I think we need to be very aware and at least mindful of what we are not only, you know, planting in our garden physically, but also... Um, what we are planting or what we're sowing morally in our lives as God's people, or what we are sowing or we are planting in our spiritual life. Because whatever it is, in fact, let me say the contraposition, if we are not planting spiritual things in our life, we will not reap spiritual things. So let me think of it this way. If we are not giving thought or giving pause to eternal life, what, why in the world do we think that we'll get eternal life if we've not sowed those things in our mind or our heart or we've not committed that? Why do we think that we can reap something that we have not planted? Why do we think that we can reap uh, or we can harvest something good if we have lived our whole lives bad? Why do we think we're going to reap or harvest a relationship with God for eternity if we didn't care a bit about it during this life? See, that's the point that God is making to his people. You have sown the wind, and now you're going to reap the whirlwind. Now, what he was actually pointing out is they had sown the wind but they were not going to reap security. They were not going to reap uh, safety. In other words, he went ahead to tell them that ultimately, because you have sown the wind, you are now going to reap the whirlwind, and your country and your people and all of your families and everything you've ever done is going to be 
overtaken by other countries, all right? So, so it's a law. It's the structure of existence that God has set forth, but not just in regards to okra or green beans or plants. It's that way at every level of our existence. Now, what I wanted to point out was this, uh, as God, throughout the scriptures, he's t- telling this to his, his people, the nation of Israel. And so my first thought was, well, nations, nations, historically, and will always harvest what they sow. The reason I say that is because the scriptures are very clear that God rules by his power and his eyes observe the nations and he will not let the rebellious nations exalt themselves. In fact, the prophet Isaiah says that that when nations try to do things on their own in the morning, they plant do and plants. He said their harvest will be a, a heap of ruins in the day of grief and desperate sorrow. And Isaiah goes ahead to, to write what God told him to write and said, Woe to the multitude of many, many people and to the rushing of nations. The nations rush like the rushing of many waters, but God will rebuke them. Nations, we know, sometimes will make statements, grandiose statements, In fact, we're in a season right now where nations are hollering loudly at each other. But God sees all nations. And all nations, whatever whatever a nation plants or whatever they sow, they will reap that. Jeremiah, another prophet, was instructed by God on this very fact. In fact... Jeremiah records, he says, the Lord has controversy with various nations. He tries to lead them. He tries to give them. He tries to warn them about the wicked of the sword, but then they refuse. And so God says, behold, disaster shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind will be raised up from the farthest parts of the earth. The point being, that this law is in place, and in even to the extent and level and height of nations, that whatever a nation sows, if they sow freedom, they'll reap freedom. But if they sow war, they reap war. And history has time and time again shown that to be true. Why? Because God has set up all of existence and creation according to that law. Zechariah is another one, another prophet. See, throughout the Old Testament, we find where the prophets do not say things that are contradictory. They say things that God instructs them to say, and we find that there is a, there is a continuity throughout. Ze- Zechariah says, uh, because people, nations, refuse to hear, refuse to obey, refuse to acknowledge the law and words of the Lord, he says, even though he sent them to sent sent them prophets, he sent them words. He says they still refused, but because they refused, Zechariah says, I God says I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations that they did not know. God will always require 
and ensure that nations will harvest what they sow. A wicked nation will not harvest goodness. A good nation will harvest goodness. That's, uh, in fact, uh, just uh, if I step aside, look at our nation. Originally, our nation was founded on those very principles, the principles of providence and of God. And each of our, uh, each of our founding fathers, in their own way, asked for God's guidance and providence because they knew that they needed to sow the right things in this new country and experiment is what the rest of the world thought it was. It was an experiment of democracy, but yet we find where uh, they were asking God. Why? Because they knew that whatever they sowed, they would reap. So, throughout the prophets, we find the same thing. Again, in Hosea, another prophet, we find essentially the same thing, that nations harvest what they sow. Hosea records, says, therefore they shall, a nation shall be as the morning cloud, early dew passes, and yet the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke of a chimney is what happens to a nation that does not listen to God. History has testified to that. Now, we can change history. We can, we can try to, or not change it, we can erase it. We can ignore it. But it does not change the fact that this law or this principle is still in place. Nations harvest what they sow. Prophet Nahum, again, another prophet, different time period, but basically says the same thing, that God observes and God watches from the heavens all nations. And here's what it says. Here's what Nahum writes. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and can be furious, and he will take vengeance on his adversaries. And the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds of the dust of his feet. So the point being, on a broad scale, is that when the prophet Hosea said, you know, Israel, you have, you have sown the wind, now you're going to reap the whirlwind. The point being is, it's that way with every nation because God has set it forth that way. But that's so abstract, isn't it? I did it on purpose. I wanted to start with nations on purpose. Because here's the deal. If it's true for nations, then it's also true for individuals, is it not? A nation is not greater than its individuals. The whole is never greater than its parts. So... Individuals will also harvest what they sow. And again, the scriptures are very clear how God views humanity, us, all of us in our lives. Writer of Psalm, David writes, he says, The Lord looks from heaven and sees all the children of men. For the ways of, of mankind are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. What did he see? When God looks down and he sees how we live, not nations, that's the culmination of individual efforts, is it not? No, he looks now more specifically into the heart of a nation. 
and that is into the hearts of individuals. What in the world does he see? Well, here's what he observes. And again, it's the same principle. Job records this. Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. So for an individual, it is just as true that individuals like nations will harvest what they sow. They reap what they sow. Writer of Proverbs records this from the Lord. The Lord says, I have called and you have refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all of my counsel. You would have none of my instruction. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, distress and anguish will be upon you. So for the individual, there is no difference. Now, the point of that is this. As individuals, we sometimes think that we can hide or we can be uh, obscured by the umbrella of a nation, but that's not so. If we are believers in God or we believe that God sees everything, because not only does he see the nations, but he sees what makes nations like they are. And it always comes down to the individual. The individuals of the nation is what makes a nation what it is. So that's why God requires the same thing from an individual. That what we sow is what we reap. And for us as individuals, what we sow physically, what we sow morally, what we sow spiritually, intellectually, that's what we're going to reap. And there are no exceptions and there are no exemptions to that law that our Creator has put in place. Writer of Proverbs also says, As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous, they have an everlasting foundation. He goes ahead to write, the writer of Proverbs, and says, He who sows iniquity or wickedness will reap sorrow without a doubt without fail guaranteed now uh, we sometimes think that there's an exception in fact aristotle had a very interesting observation about that now <clears throat> he said and he said that was the uniqueness of humanity human nature or hum hu humankind he said mankind has the ability to reason and to rationalize. And he said, when we do it well, he said, we're doing the very best that all of creation can do when we can rationalize. He said, but there is a flaw. He says, when we rationalize, we can come to reason and say, this is good for someone. That is good for them. And they should be doing that. And yet we can say that it's good for everyone, but I'm an exception to the rule. And Aristotle recognized that that flaw usually is what brings us into disdain in our lives. To think that we are an exception to the rule of the laws that God has set forth. Prophet Jeremiah, again, emphasizes and contends this. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone in fury, a violent whirlwind. It falls violently on the head of the wicked. 
You know, when I think about that, I, sometimes I realize that I, like you, sometimes we feel that evil or what's going on is so powerful and it's so monumental and so monstrous that nothing, nothing can change the seasons that we're in. But that's not true. I mean, we think that unless we look at what God has said, and once we see what God has said, we realize, no, we're not left here to fend for ourselves. God observes everything, both in nations and then also in individuals. And he assures us that even with nations and individuals, there are a set of guidelines and a set of principles and part of his creation that will take place regardless of what mankind has said. When I think about that, it's, I think about how often we sometimes feel that is there any hope or is there any change? And of course there is because God is still in control. So when we talk about sowing and then reaping, we, we've you know, heard this. You know, we have little sayings. You want to have friends? Be a friend. Be a friend, you'll have friends. Uh, you know, uh, we have another little saying, well, you got what you deserve. People that we, in our own minds, we think that it's only righteous and it's only right to get what you give. If you want to receive, you have to give. If you don't give, you will not receive. So the point is, is that, is that in this day and time, we need to trust God's, the way he has set things up. He does not wink at things. He does not miss things. He hasn't missed things in the nations and everything that's going on, nor has he missed things in the individual's lives. So for us today, it's just this simple. What we sow during our lifetime, it matters. There are no exceptions at any level of our life of how we live. What we sow physically in our life, if we mistreat our bodies, we, we pay the price. If we morally are wicked, we'll pay the price. If we are spiritually negligent, we pay the price. If we are intellectually sloppy, we pay the price. However, if we morally plant good seed, we reap a good harvest. If we spiritually plant that good seed, we reap and harvest a good crop, good fruit. If we intellectually do well, then we reap and we have a harvest of well things in our mind because there are no exceptions and there are no exemptions. That's why when we read this, they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. It has no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, strangers shall swallow it up. God is not silent in this manner. In fact, the writer of Proverbs says this as a kind of cinch this down. The writer of Proverbs says this, and I think this is applicable to us today. He who sows righteousness will have a sure good reward. 
Paul, though, captured it very clearly, though, in Galatians chapter 6, when he's writing to the church. And here's what he said. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, let me stop there and give a, a footnote to that. What Paul is saying here is we cannot frustrate or sidestep or come in through a back door regarding God's principles. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, what he has set in force will come to pass. It will be regardless of how we maybe try to go around it or we ignore it or we refuse it. God is not mocked. So don't deceive ourselves. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That is God's system, not mine. Our system, we expect things that we didn't plant, all right? Uh, what's the word we have now? Um, we feel like it's all owed to us. Humanity's reached that point where we feel like it's all owed to us now. No. No, and yeah, I can see y'all saying it, so you can tell me afterwards. Entitlement, yes, entitlement. Left to us, we feel entitled. We didn't plant it, we didn't, we didn't plow it, we didn't nurture it, but I want it anyway. With God, that's not how creation and existence is set up, and He will ensure that His way is followed and not ours. Whatever we sow, that's what we reap. And then He says, the person who sows to flesh or to sows to the physical world will of the flesh reap corruption or death or disease or however you want to say it. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life after everlasting life. So Paul understood that, that that was something that was applicable across the board. I mean, it doesn't matter. So today... I'll take what Hosea finished saying in our text later on. He said, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. If there was anything that I could change, I would, I would make nations seek the Lord. But then they would call me a theocracy, you know, uh, uh, you know. If there was anything I could do, I would make people seek the Lord, but I can't. But the invitation is, each of us, we can do it on our own. It is time to seek the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time to be in your house, to sing songs and psalms, to read your scripture, your word, and to ponder the thoughts that you have preserved for us. I pray today, Lord, that our hearts would not be forlorn. Lord, we would not be discouraged. Lord, we would not be afraid because we must believe, must understand that you have set things in such an order that it will come to pass. And for today, we've seen that whatever nations sow, they reap. And whatever we sow, we reap. So may we, may we plant the right things in our own lives and may we pray that our nations also will do the right thing and will give you our thanks for that in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we take just a moment and sing this song, this hymn. If you, where you are in your pew, you can, you can make your prayer to the Lord.
You can come to the altar and pray. It doesn't matter. But the main thing is to seek the Lord. So as we sing. Hymn 535. 535. We'll sing one verse unless someone would like to come. And it's all thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer.